downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be and that is completely free thanks to our patrons at patreon.com slash dlc pod they are bringing the show to you and you can be one of them why not check it out there are cool perks ad free episodes there are there's a video archive of the the vod version of the show and there's an entire bonus show called Paid DLC. Uh, folks have been really loving that. Check it out. Patreon.com slash DLC pod. DLC, of course, the show all about games. And there are many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I'm joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host, slash nemesis the guy whose game of the year list is already way too long and it's only april mr christian spicer hello christian hold on i'm uh i'm a thirsty let me take a sip out of this video on demand users are getting a special tasty treat when christian's using the new official dlc mug on sale right now in our store. You can find that at dlcpod.creator-spring.com. Link is also in the show notes of every episode. That yeah, sick as, new logo. As looks- chat points out, yeah, mirrored video. I know, but it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't hurt to still show it off. Also, I would say as owning of several, I have a, a Genesis mug that is the same. You can put them in the dishwasher, but I'd recommend hand washing it to keep this beautiful art beautiful. That's, um, that's the Corey Schmidt's logo, our new logo as of just a, I don't know, a few weeks ago. It's uh, so good. You can buy they've got t-shirts, we got yes. mugs, we got sweatshirts. Yes. We got stickers? Yes. Oh my goodness, so much. And we have anxiety from there being too many amazing games, Jeff. There are too <laughs> many amazing games. like I I we have a great show and there are more amazing games coming. But I will tell you up top that I sit down at my desk to play games and I feel analysis paralysis. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Games that have come out in the last three weeks. <laughs> Every single game that comes out right now is Game of the Year contender. That's just the rule for 2022. Dude. Uh, that's just the rule. But, hey, we, we, we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about a lot of games that we have been playing and some b- games that have been announced that sound like games to be watching out for as well. There's tons of news to get to. And we have an awesome guest to do it with. You know, the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, oh man, I'm so excited because once again, DLC stands for displaying laminated cups. Because we have the host of the Trophy Room, a PlayStation podcast, back with us, Mr. Joseph Moran. Yes. Welcome. Back Hello. To the show. I feel like I just came into a moment. 
you nailed the intro. You got that beautiful mug. And for the people who are listening audio version, Christian did it shirtless, and he is ripped. Ripped. <laughs> Everything's coming up DLC Shredded. tonight. Everything's yeah. coming up. So uh, we're due for a complete disaster. Can I, uh, Joe, to that point, yes. can I just say something that is totally unrelated to any of this? In How Red many Notice, you just did? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not about me, but thank you. In Red Notice, which is the Netflix film that everybody watched and then immediately forgot, you see, like, they kind of paint Ryan Reynolds as, like, the everyman. Mm-hmm. But then you mm-hmm. also love, see him in the shower. Ryan Reynolds. Sorry, go ahead. Yes. Then you also see him in the shower. And like, it just blows my mind that Ryan Reynolds is supposed to be your average dude. When like next to anyone except for The Rock, he's the most Jack dude you've ever seen in your life. But somehow yeah. Red Notice paints him as like the the nerds, like adventure guy. Anyway, that's all. Yeah. I love really? Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> I did a whole rant on the filmcast uh, recently about how uh, I did just rewatch The Sting, which is one of my favorite oh. movies. 1973, I believe that movie came out. And Paul Newman, of course, you know, he was in his 40s when he made that. So, you know, but still, he was like the leading, sexy leading man. It hadn't lifted a weight ever. You know, he, they, and they show him in a, in a tank top in that movie. It's like, no, you just can't get away with that now. In order to be just the average guy, you got to be, uh, you got to have, Put yourself through such rigorous. You can't have yes. had bread in the last forty years. You know, same same holds true. We just again rewatched the original Karate Kid, and it's yeah. just average looking. I mean, beautiful, but average looking people. And yeah. that made today would be like can't fly. You know, Zac Efron currently playing yeah. an eighteen year old. <laughs> you have to be an unattainable. That's all right. That's why I'm proud of my dad bod, guys. That's why <laughs> we're here to talk about video games. Anyway, there's never yeah. been. Uh, body dysmorphia in video games. So uh, at least we don't have to worry about that ever. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about video games. So let's start the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration. By sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. That's also where you send comments or questions, your own reviews. Should you like those to be on the show? Anything. We love hearing from you. dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Also, there are great communities where you can hang out with like-minded folks, including our subreddit, which is 5x5dlc.reddit.com, and our Discord, which is also 5x5dlc on the old Discord. Urge you to take part in those communities. There's great folks talking games and all sorts of stuff. But Joe, you are our guest. Yes. So you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? I feel like if if we could, I want to I want to rip this band-aid right off. Mm, good idea. Because I feel like this story I've gotten a lot of heat about. <laughs> and it is because I am secretly a hater and I just wanted to reveal it today. Um, my, like the story is exclusive. Exclusive. <laughs> it's definitely Kingdom Hearts Four. That trailer. Mm. Yeah, yeah. We got we got all kinds of Kingdom Hearts news celebrating the twentieth anniversary. Uh, Square Enix uh, revealed a new mobile Kingdom Hearts. Uh, talked about the other, uh, I guess, mobile Kingdom Hearts we already knew about. But the Which big are, news, by the way, my favorite headlines. 
uh, like even this one from uh, what I'm showing on screen is from VG247, and it's like Kingdom Hearts 4 officially revealed, as well as another mobile game. <laughs> There's other stuff too, but the well, big news is that Kingdom Hearts 4, after Kingdom Hearts 3 taking 15 years to make, what was it? 15 years? Uh, Kingdom <laughs> Hearts 4, full CG or, or full debut trailer uh, showing what looks like a, a a a much different take on our 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 friend Sora and the Kingdom Hearts universe um so joseph you have already <laughs> revealed that you are a hater uh, <laughs> is it uh, were you you are a pre-existing hater or you're just a hater of this trailer i feel like i'm just as i get older i become more cynical of things and if I don't understand something, I just get aggravated. Like, yeah, I have Donald no Duck, how do you even understand what he says? Exactly. I, I feel so bad for any kids that might end up on your lawn. I feel. <laughs> oh, dude. I had to yell at three of them today. Like, get off of it. Man, I'm treating this lawn. Get off. Step off. But um, no, honestly, I, here's the thing. I was a huge Kingdom Hearts fan as a kid. Like, I loved Kingdom Hearts 1, Kingdom Hearts 2. Like, when you're fighting the wave of, like, Endless Heartless, that was, like, that that melted my, my like, middle school brain. Mm. But then, like, I kind of forgot about it. Like, just life happened. I'm not, like, a handheld type of gamer. So, I didn't even know until, like, I don't know, mid-2010s that I was like, oh, there's actually so many more of these games <laughs> on the PSP. <laughs> yeah. There's been a hundred elegantly named Kingdom Hearts yes. that you just did. It's, it's <laughs> difficult to lose track of them because their names all make sense. Right. And that's part yeah. of the aggravation. Again, I don't understand it, so I'm going to <laughs> loathe it. It's like you got 1.5, 2.7, and a half, birth yeah. by sleep, death by air. And I'm like, come on, guys. Just give me a number. <laughs> just give I, me I feel that. I, I feel that. There's some, some weird obfuscation that happens just in like, I don't really understand the chronology here, yeah. but taken individually, yeah. the Kingdom Hearts games are beloved. And uh, I think especially the, the most recent, you know, the big number three uh, was beloved and, and folks really uh, thought it, it, it was ended up being worth the wait. Uh, I don't know if you share that, but I'm more interested in what you think of this trailer for four, because it does look like a bit of a departure, yeah. at least at least aesthetically. Yeah, I was on a journey because this morning I absolutely hated it. I was like, what did they <laughs> look what they did to my my boy? <laughs> you know, like, well, what did they do to my boy Sora? Because he looks very different. He looks like, all grows I, up. He's all grows yeah. up. Yeah, he's all grows up in in less than a week from yeah. from the third game. But yeah. when I was looking at the trailer, the thing, the reason why I connected with Kingdom Hearts one and two as a kid was, to me, it was like this perfect blend of like the Disney art style that we know and love from the from the nineties meets this you know Square Enix Final Fantasy aesthetic, and they yeah. merged them so perfectly together. Where with this trailer, I kind of felt like. With it being in like what is going to be akin to the real world, quote unquote, it was like the New Donk City effect, where like right. Mario's in the yeah. world of normal people, and <laughs> and this, it this kind trailer of, does have major New Donk City vibes. You are yeah. right, yeah. And so like it, it kind of felt a little flat, it, you know, aesthetically, and it felt a little bit empty. 
as well. Mm. Like I feel like 12 people populated that city. Um, but it looked gorgeous in terms of like the detail, the level of detail, like on the couch that Sora's lying on, um, like the soles of his shoes that looked great. And then when we got to the combat, that's where I'm like, guys, we got to settle down on the hype. This is not real. This is, this is final <laughs> fantasy 13 versus. Yeah. I've, I've seen this before and I'm going to tell you, we're going to be very disappointed when we see the real thing. <laughs> Cause I don't, it looked awesome. It looked grandiose, but I don't know how that converts to like, is this just a QTE that I'm seeing? Right. Or is this something that I'm actually able to do? And Square Enix has that kind of hit or miss track record when it comes to me actually doing the things on screen that, that we see on these pre-released, um, you know, trailers. Yeah. And then the, the one little thing that they said afterwards. And again, Kingdom Hearts fans stand down. I, 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 you guys are very passionate. You got, you guys even got down. I just saw this on Twitter. They got like the exact building where Sora is at in like real life. Like they wow. geolocated everything. They're, they're passionate. And I, yeah. I don't want to kill your hype. If you're excited, I'm excited for you. But they were like, yeah. And this will be on Unreal Engine 5, but this was on Unreal Engine 4. So I'm like, okay, okay. Well, I don't, now I don't even know if, what I'm seeing is actually going to be the thing I'm actually going to be playing. Like now this mm. screams tech demo to me. Yeah. But, and, and is it going to be another 15 years before this game comes out? And that's the thing. I'm like, well, if this engine, if this isn't even the engine you're using, this is another six year wait. <laughs> it's the screams. Yeah. Like it me. does feel like uh, maybe they, you know, they wanted to have this big announcement for the anniversary, which is, uh, understandable goal and maybe they're announcing it a little earlier than maybe they should have in a in a universe where we're expecting it sooner rather than later i i, I don't know uh, the other thing from my perspective is it, it seems like this trailer doubled down on the least interesting part of kingdom hearts from my perspective like the thing that makes kingdom hearts special is the disney characters are all there right yes you know and it's like Look at all this cool stuff you get to do without any of the Disney characters around at all. And it's like, um, I mean, the last bit with 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 Donald and Goofy is the is the part where I was like, oh, okay, now I'm in, now I'm yeah. excited. But all the other stuff, I was like, where's my Disney characters at? Yeah. You know, that's what I that's that's the the hook for the whole franchise for me is wow, you get to play this uh, you know this sophisticated role playing game with a bunch of beloved childhood icons, yeah. you know, that's, that's, and that's Mickey cool. Mouse is Yoda. And we like, we love it. And that, yeah. And that's the reason why I didn't jive with three as much. Cause it felt like there was a lot of final fantasy, which genuinely usually I'm not too into like the first final fantasy game I actually beat was final fantasy seven remake. Please clap. Um, <laughs> but you, you know, to me, clap. it is the Disney aesthetic that I, I yearn for. Um, because I'm a huge Disney dork and yeah, seeing it, the lack of Disney in this trailer, I'm like, are we just going to get more three? I hope not. But again, like I, I also feel like I'm out of the loop because genuinely it feels like the kingdom hearts community are going crazy over this trailer. So, yeah, hey. I mean, I, I I'm, I'm agree, agreeing with you. I don't want to yuck anybody's yum, but Christian, you're always down to yuck people's yum. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm down to yuck Jojo. I see the headlines right now. Host of PlayStation yeah. podcast bashes Kingdom Hearts. Like I just, <laughs> fe- oh, how can you? No, um, 
I was very high on Kingdom Hearts 3. I think I had it picked as like a, you know, game of the year, you know, like a pre before it came out front runner for game of the year, the year it came out. It didn't hit that many lists in that top spot. Um, And I came away from it feeling a little mixed. Parts of the game felt like they were built 15 years ago and then parts felt newer. It, It had some legacy feeling to it, I would say, in terms of like presentation and and stuff like that. Um, With this new game, my biggest question is just timeline. And I'm I'm stoked that they're making a four. I'm through the moon that over the moon, through the roof, I don't know, over the river, through the woods, that (laughs) they announced Kingdom Hearts 4 and not Kingdom Hearts 3 remix, flip it, you know, thong song, 18.1. Back it. Yeah. Yeah, the very best thing of all is there's a counter on the ball, Kingdom Hearts. Um, So that excites me that this is a mainline entry. And I think they've done a pretty good job with their franchises recently with these bigger entries. And so showing it uh, or announcing it excites me. I agree with Joe and and Jeff that... I am very, it feels a long ways away. It, it, it feels a long ways away. The showing something on Unreal 4, but saying it's going to be on Unreal 5. I, I imagine that port process is fairly easy, I would hope, you know. But, Epic has bragged about it in the past where it's like, this is going to be the, a seamless yeah. transition. So I hope you're yeah. right. Yeah. You just add one. <laughs> it's that simple. simple. It's just you add it's one, real easy. And suddenly Joe's uh, city density problem is fixed. You know, as you make that leap to... To five. Um, so I'm, I'm excited, but I'm going to kind of forget the game exists until we get a release date. And then I'll add a year and a half to that. And then I'll be excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At a year point three, six, five, uh, <laughs> flip it, bop it, <laughs> twist it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think it's cool. I don't know. I don't know if we even need to talk about the mobile games, but the mobile games kind of look kind of charming, you know, as well. Uh, what are the, is it called? There's one Union X, uh, and what was the other one called? Um, oh gosh, uh, they have you they have like, funky. You can make a title up, and I would honestly missing believe link, it. missing link, Kingdom oh, okay. Hearts missing link. Uh, I will say no, this also though that over in our Discord, some of those fine folks were chatting about whether or not we're going to see uh, Marvel or Star Wars characters, and maybe that's going to be part of like a later reveal. Um, now that Disney continues to own everything. And then that got me reminiscing about, as I look over longingly at some of my figures from it, I would love a Disney Infinity 4.0. That's the game. Disney Infinity 3.0, I really liked. There was some really good mm-hmm. combat in it. The collecting the figures and touching and doing whatever was a little cumbersome, but like a streamlined version of that, or heck, even like a, instead of epic cross Lego announcement, like an epic cross disney finity and it's i don't know i anyway that's all that's all i'm gonna say is that i love that game with star wars and marvel characters in yeah i'm such a star wars show that they could just put they could put jar jar in there and i'll buy this game you know? <laughs> well I, I maybe i'll maybe this is blasphemy but i i feel like let's let's keep the marvel and star wars characters out of this one it just i mean i guess i guess kingdom hearts is a mashup of of all these disparate disney universes anyway so why not but I like it feeling like the fairy tale universes, you know? Uh, and I know that to- the Pixar stuff has already been introduced. And so that's not quite the same, but it's close enough. 
it's not Star Wars, you know? It just feels, it doesn't, it, it, that feels like round peg, square hole, you know? Give me a Bugs oh. Life universe. Yeah. Or up. I just want to see the old man get grumpy <laughs> at the Heartless. Yeah. It's just like, we're going to make you cry now. <laughs> I've been playing this video game, now you're going to cry. At least three <laughs> times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, well, we shall see. I, I suspect uh, not soon, but we shall see Kingdom Hearts 4 announced. Pretty big deal. Uh, Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week? We talked about it a little bit as we talked about Kingdom Hearts 4, but I think by far the biggest story of the week is uh, Unreal Engine 5 yeah. official announcement. And with that, we got a bunch of other announcements tomb raider being built in unreal engine 5 um we've seen other games getting announced that they are going to be using the unreal engine whereas they haven't in the past a game we'll be talking about later uh lego skywalker saga was built on its own engine and it's had some troubles in development and they had said that they'll be moving to unreal in the future and so we've had the full coming out party for unreal engine 5 and it remains the version of next gen that I pictured, you know, a year and a half ago when we entered the current gen, like <laughs> it seems to be delivering on those promises of um, a real step forward in technology that enables games and developers to do things that wasn't possible before. There's already been like that Superman demo that's kind of hacked into the matrix, you know, level and world. Well, I'm it was cool. They I'm gave so everybody excited. the Matrix stuff. They gave everybody, yes. like, go yeah. play. And because Unreal Engine now, which used to be one of the most expensive things in the world, is basically free. It's just crazy. These incredible tools are now just... And, and source files. It's, it, just make what you want. It's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And cool. I loved, yeah. I loved the Coalition's um, light demo that they were doing. I, yeah. That, that blew me away. The... the what this engine's capable of doing is just like at parts uncomfortable when we're talking about like faces of AI and yeah. how you could just, I'm like, okay, we're getting a little bit too close to this. Put my brain in a robot. I don't really know how I feel about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, I, I think you're right, Christian. I think this is, this is the day that the current generation of consoles has begun. Uh, yeah. You know, the, I, people still can't buy them off the shelves as easily as they want. But I think this is the moment where we're really going to start seeing, you know, I say that with the caveat that one of the great features of the Unreal Engine is that it scales really well downward. You know, it's built to, you know, make a game and you can put it out on a, on a you know, a 10 year old Android phone. <laughs> you know, like that's, that's what the end, it's built to be scalable, you know, in a, in a very, very, uh, great degree but i think that this is the point at which we're going to start seeing uh the the consoles you know the series x and the playstation 5 really show what they can do because this engine and uh you know the new version of unity they're all they're all going to be kind of uh able to push these boxes and you know already we saw a friend of the show jeff grubb uh, with a rumor this week that the new need for speed is in development and next gen only, which yeah. is not a phrase that we have seen a lot of in the last couple of years. We have not seen uh, folks wanting to limit themselves to the market of these next gen consoles, but I think you're going to see this more and more and you're going to see 
games that are focused on what the next gen, what the current gen, what these these top tier consoles can do. And now you're going to be like, oh my gosh, we thought we saw beautiful. <laughs> There's a whole level of beautiful that we didn't even know these things could do. Yeah, the chat mentions again The Witcher, which we talked about, I think, last week, yep. uh, committing to Unreal 5, and and Tomb Raider. And, and as Joe mentioned, that coalition, you know, just light demo. It's yeah. just like, yeah, I'll watch that again. <laughs> yeah. Let's play that again. Absolutely. That's, well, I mean, I, I think this is, these are not um, insignificant announcements. The Tomb Raider, The Witcher, these yeah. developers, these very top tier developers that have put out incredible games on proprietary engines in both cases. Yes. Yes. proprietary engines their own tech are going hey we're going to use this off the shelf free software ostensibly free software uh because it's so powerful and i think um i think that's that's a major shift as well and not insignificant and yeah. as, you know we've seen what the what this engine is is you know they they've shown what it can do and i think when we see these kinds of developers embrace it it means they're convinced as well. Yeah. Um, and to go on your point too, Jeff, which is excellent, by the way, um, it's, it, it feels like the consolidation of not like, you know, big companies buying little companies, but even like you're seeing all these partnerships of, of, yeah, you know, CD project, you got crystal uh, D of just developers going, you know what, let's, let's not try to build something from the ground up and get super aggravated with it or it not being as functional as we hoped, you know, a la, you know, uh, cyberpunk 2077. Let's go with something that works. Yeah. Let's make a partnership that matters so that we can ask them for help and we could get some extra help if things go awry. Um, I kind of, I, I don't know if you guys feel the same, but I kind of feel like that's where maybe the industry is going in terms of, you know, these bigger companies going, okay, you know, Unity's great. Unreal's great. Frostbite, uh, we got some, we, <laughs> we got some work to be had, but it really does feel like these bigger teams are just choosing the engines that work instead of just trying to, you know, build something of their own. Well, this is well, something so that I've been, you know, shouting from the rooftops for years now as far as a, a trend that I think is a positive one for the entire industry, which is the decoupling of game design from technology, from mm. uh, pure number crunching and uh, software building, right? Making it more akin to making a movie. You can be a filmmaker and have no idea how a camera works, right? Uh, you don't have to build your own cameras to to make a movie. You don't have to construct how you capture the image. You know, it's a, you just pull something off the shelf and you're an artist and you want and you cre create. And I think that's where video games are going as well, where these these tools, maybe there are fewer of them, but they are so powerful and so ubiquitous and so accessible that you can now just be focused on the art art of it and the expression of it rather than the nuts and bolts of it. And I think that will be a huge thing. I mean, when video games started, it was people in their garage crunching code. And, and obviously that's still going to always be a part of it, but I think less and less so. And I think it, it will open up the medium for folks that aren't so skilled in the pure 
uh, coding side of it and can just express themselves with these tools. And I think that's a great thing for the, it does, for the medium. It, it, like the, the other side of that is that it, well, let me back up a little bit. I think it shows that the ease of use of these engines has proven, and, and as Joe mentioned, the support that they get from these large firms has proven worth it to give up those royalties because it's free to use. But if your game right. makes money, it's not right. just free, free, right? Right, like, right. Uh, as your game, like a big AAA game is going to be, hopefully for these developers, right? Their game's a huge hit, paying Epic money, right. royalties off the top or whatever, back in money for the, using this engine. And so as more companies and games use these engines, it fuels this very dominant thing, which, you know, isn't necessarily a a bad thing in and of itself, but then it is, it, it, it kind of gets a little scary because it's not quite your film analogy where, you know, making a camera by picking a camera off the shelf, you had a few, you had quite a few yeah, options. There's a it's dozen not, companies making cameras. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it doesn't just keep feed into this other thing that also, not only does it just make cameras, it also makes games that compete with your games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, with you're, you're of, not wrong. About all of that. the money. Um, I, I think from a gamer, I'm more concerned. I, I think you raised very significant points. I don't want to minimize them, but I, from a, from my side of the fence, as someone who enjoys the hobby, I don't think we're still there, but there is a part of me that still remembers how Unreal, what, 3 or whatever it was, all the games made on it looked the same. Like every character looked a little bit like Marcus Phoenix, you know, everything had that chunky Gears of War look to it. And when you could you could tell an engine in four seconds looking at any screenshot <laughs> of the game, you're like, oh, that's unreal. That you know, you could you could because the engines themselves sort of worked in a certain way. You could tell id tech games really, really easily, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's still the case. I think I think Unreal 5 appears to be much more versatile and and subtle with its, you know. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a broader as well like program like we're talking about you know first off I have no knowledge of it but it seems more broad in the sense of like yeah we're we're seeing it being used for the Mandalorian we're seeing it used it you know to put the Mandalorian in Fortnite yeah um and at the same exact time you know just because it's so broad and and perhaps so versatile it doesn't mean that other engines may suffer because when i take a look at the decima engine i am now a stand for it when i take a look at games like you know horizon forbidden west i'm like yeah oh this engine's really good at just providing such detail with such at the same time draw distance mm-hmm. like it's just, it's beautiful it's jaw dropping you know like frostbite still has again great visuals but also it's in terms of battlefield because i'm a battlefield stand but we don't talk about the, you know, twenty forty two. You don't. You don't give us scoreboards. We're not talking about them. But what I will say is that it is excellent at providing that shooter or first person shooter, you know, feel for consoles. So I feel like there's going to be still variety out there for people to choose from in terms of engines. So if there mm-hmm. is like that, uh oh, are we are we getting into where there's like three companies that rule the world type of, you know. Yeah. Cyber, I uh, or Blade I Runner might, universe. We're, we're gonna be fine. I, I don't know. I agree with you right now, Joe, that that's kind of where we are, but I do think it's going to be, I, I, there have to already be doing it, right? It is a business decision of how much time 
money gets put into developing engine versus how much money do we give Epic later for using engine? And somewhere is is counting those beans, right? Someone somewhere. Oh, sure. Yeah. Somebody's made that is their I'm job. Sure it's, <laughs> I can't imagine. It's got to be extraordinarily costly to develop your own proprietary engine. Yeah. That's got to be a massive, a massive time sink of resources, you know, of humans. But if, it, you're, but if your game's a huge hit, <laughs> You know, like I don't, I don't necessarily see um, Call of Duty. You know, right? Yeah. Like, maybe it's such a money maker. Are they going to give that off the top? I don't know. Like, yeah. It's fascinating, <laughs> but Unreal Five looks incredible. So, as a consumer, to your point, Jeff, I'd be okay if everybody used it. I guess. <laughs> I am. Uh, I am very excited as this generation seems to be just starting now, you know, like I'm very, very excited. And I, I want, I'm obviously there's a lot of uh, developers that have had access to unreal five already and have been developing on unreal five already, but it is interesting where, you know, square Enix seems like a pretty big developer. And they're like, Oh no, we're super excited to switch this over to unreal five. Now that it's available. <laughs> you know, it's just, it just feels like um, there's probably a lot of projects that are now going to be kicked into high gear. Yeah. Uh, not to mention all of the indie projects that'll have access to it now. It just gets really exciting. Yeah. My story of the week is another very exciting, unexpected, kind of surprising announcement of a new game. A game that is uh, in the franchise of a classic. A game that is beloved by me and by many. Uh, a game I reviewed in the 90s. I should have found, I should have looked up my old review. I think I gave it a 10. I it's, think I did. It stinks. It stinks. <laughs> uh, no, it was all written in, the, in a newspaper. Remember those? Uh, anyway, I, I'm referring, of course, to the secret of Monkey Island and the announcement of Return to Monkey Island. Ron Gilbert returning to the franchise that he made famous. Uh, after many, many years, uh, the announcement, the, the method of the, of course, this is a comedy game, a point and click adventure game, the old Lucas arts point and click adventure game, secret of monkey Island, which is a classic. Uh, and in, in, in true comedic fashion, Ron Gilbert's announcement, he actually predicted back in 2013, which is wild. He said, if I ever <laughs> return to make another Monkey Island game, I'm going to announce it on April Fool's Day because he notoriously hates April Fool's Day, as many of us have come to despise that holiday in the era of the Internet. It was a charming holiday back before the Internet, but the uh, Internet ruins everything eventually. And so it so it was with April Fool's Day. Uh, Ron Gilbert hates it. And so was saying, hey, I'm going to announce something super serious and super real on April Fool's Day. It didn't exactly work that way. He did mention it on April Fool's Day, but uh, it was a few days later, it was this week that we got confirmation that Return to Monkey Island is real and that uh, Michael Land and Clint um, Bajakian, I hope I'm pronouncing it, and, and Peter McConnell uh, are back to create the game's score, iconic music. Uh, there has been a teaser trailer an official teaser trailer released doesn't show much but shows uh the art style which is that wonderful cartoony art style i am so excited for this 
you know, I, I love those old games. I love those old LucasArts games, uh, Day of the Tentacle and Secret of Monkey Island. And, you know, back when comedy games were a real thing, like people made comedy games and uh, Secret of Monkey Island is one of the best. Um, Joe, uh, are, are you excited about this announcement? Is is this is this a, a game that is only uh, um, <laughs> nostalgic for olds like me, or, or <laughs> are there young kids who are anxious to point and click their way into some humor? Young kids, oh my god, I am so flattered. But I will make <laughs> you feel old. I think Super, or sorry, uh, Secret Monkey Island, um, Secret of Monkey Island. Let me see. I was. I think I was five years old when that game came yeah. out. I was professionally reviewing video games. I was paid <laughs> to review that video game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm old. Oh, sorry. Wait, it came out in 1990. So I was, I was negative one. I was just a twinkle in my <laughs> father's eye. One. Yeah. You were negative one. <laughs> yeah. Oh my. But what I will say is when it comes to the point and click classic, like Lucas nineties, um, I am excited for this game because I remember as a kid looking at games like that and going, I really want this. But we had like a Packard Bell humble brag back in the 90s, but couldn't run anything. Yeah. So it was always like a, a want. Um, and I remember the day we finally could get like a game to run on it. It was a Star Wars point and click game. So I need to, I, I, at least I believe so. So I want to look this up while you guys do the talking, because to me, I'm excited to to see what y'all are so nostalgic for, um, because <laughs> well, I live off your excitement. I mean, real. that's the big question, right? Is, is, does this kind of game even hold up nowadays? Yeah. Uh, Christian, last week I talked about uh, Norco, which is a sort of nouveau take on the point and click adventure game. Uh, I think that game uh, very much uh, holds up, or at least that style of game. But Norco has very modern, very modern sensibilities. And uh, Ron Gilbert, I don't know if Ron Gilbert does. I don't know if this will be a true throwback to those those old games. And my question to you, Christian, is: Do you think that a return to Monkey Island is going to be? More interesting than just a nostalgia trip. Yes and no. Um, <laughs> I, I would say it's Devolver Digital Publishing, correct? That's, uh, that's the which, idea, I believe. Which I find fascinating with how Disney is kind of throwing licenses around to different publishers now. And this is a continuation of that and going to a you know smaller shop, all things considered, for this game. Devolver also puts out interesting games rarely are they just you know kind of like a movie tie-in uh game rarely are they just uh nostalgia cash-in games right like we've had a good run of new takes on retro games doing incredible things sonic mania was fantastic streets of rage 4 which I have pre-ordered now that it's coming to mobile uh, with controller support. I'm excited to have that with me everywhere I go, even though I already have it on Switch, which is already with me everywhere I go. Um, but we've seen, ex- and now Turtles, uh, Shredder's Revenge, another brawler. But like we're seeing games being brought back uh, and doing interesting things with them and not just resting on their laurels. So I, I yeah. think for them to come back to Monkey Island... I think it was either a, you know, a dump truck of money 
was like, just do it. And they were like, or, or it was like the matrix, you know, like, Hey, if you don't do this, we're going to find someone else to do it. And then they literally say that in the movie. <laughs> um, and it hurt so much I, to watch. And I think the matrix four did have some interesting things to say. I'm not trying yeah. to throw that under the, under the bus. Um, but to answer your question, I do think this has something interesting to say and do, but I also think it will very much play on nostalgia. I don't think it can be decoupled from it, right? It's not Ron Gilbert's making a new game, a spiritual successor to mm-hmm. it is return to monkey Island. So I think there has to be some um, more than Easter eggs references for um, people like you who are old, unlike me, who is still yet to be born. Um, mm, sure. still, well, I'm still they, in utero. They've, <laughs> they've explicitly said it will pick up after the events of Monkey Island 2. So, I mean, this is a, a, a true sequel. Uh, Guybrush Threepwood back in it. LeChuck, pirate, bad guy. Uh, it's, it, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a full on monkey Island game. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously nostalgia will be a huge part of it. I don't see it as, as some sort of cash in quote unquote. Um, but I, I hope it has a charm and I hope, I hope there is mechanically some innovation because I'm not sure how much those classic, you know, point and click adventure games still matter. You know, I feel like we've yeah. evolved past them and, and games like Norco show ways to improve upon that formula, to use that classic style, but kind of modernize it or at least think, acknowledge it. Go I ahead. I think there is a space. I definitely yeah. do. I think, you know, as the audience, you know, grows older, as we get more mature, we do look back for the things that we are so nostalgic for. And I think the gaming industry is broader than we give it credit for um that there are you know these weird games that we wouldn't think would hit that absolutely do like i'm thinking of games like undertale when i look at yeah. it i'm like why would anybody but there's a huge audience for it yeah. so i think it doesn't have to speak to really millions per se but i think it could speak to the dedicated fans that do miss the point and click Right, do miss their the miss style, and what I do miss is Star Wars Rebel Assault One and Two, which is what I was speaking on earlier. This is sending me back, and like right here, I'm like, and I'll throw my money, like I <laughs> give it to me immediately. Yeah, I, I think the a great example of of how this can work, not quite as old a game, but the Psychonauts sequel that we just saw yes. last year. I think was far better than I expected it to be and felt far more like a modern game. It wasn't just, Hey, remember psychonauts? It really felt like it had its own identity, had something to say was a fantastic experience. So that's what I'm hoping for, for return to monkey Island, but we shall find out evidently this year. Uh, this is a, they have said that we should see it sometime in 2022. They've been working on it for three years in secret, evidently, which is pretty, pretty cool. Pretty cool. I, I don't know, Christian, you, you speculated maybe it was a, a money truck or what, what reason no, it was. To that would, yeah, that would be a reason. I don't think that right. is the reason. I think, um, you know what I think the reason is completely speculating. I have no, nothing to base this on. Feels like the reason is COVID. You know, mm. I think COVID co- happens and, and guys like Ron Gilbert, I've, I, you know, don't know him. It's complete speculation, but it feels like folks like that look at their 
life's work and go, I can make another one of those. I'm sitting around doing nothing right now. I'm, I'm locked in my house. You know, it's like th- we've been working on this in secret for three years. It's like, it, it feels like one of those, you know, COVID inspired things where we can, we could we can make a monkey Island game. But why not? You know, we're not doing anything else. So, I also I think it is like the, the powers of B are, you know, I guess like us nostalgic for the things that they miss. Sure. And I think that is one of the other things that plays that I think as again, the industry grows, there are people that legitimately want to make, you know, art and yeah. there are games that are there to make the money. Right. So yes. I, I, I think there, you know, Disney can diversify by giving EA a star Wars and then go, you know what, let's make this little weird thing here yeah, uh, and, and diversify that way. I, I, I have no, I no doubt that this will be a labor of love and that, uh, right. Gilbert will not allow it to be anything, but, uh, but what he wants it to be, you know, something special. So I'm, I'm yeah. excited. The other, the other side of that coin is like, uh, at some point in the last eight years since we've been doing this show, Jeff, but like, I think they were episodic and King's new King's quest came yes. out. And I feel like those kind of came and went and didn't really, I played them. So I played them. So, yeah, and again, I think they kind of came and went, yes. and it, it didn't bring something new to it, and it was it, like, oh, there's the thing again. Okay, it did not feel as special as that series is in my heart. Someday yeah. I'll maybe uh, maybe there'll be a paid DLC episode where I'll tell. I don't think I've ever told the story of how King's Quest Three changed my life. Like literally, King's Quest Three completely changed my life. Maybe that's a paid DLC story I'll tell. Um, Are we in the middle of a very long uh, Final Destination where you just haven't been caught yet? Like the pole went through the truck, but Jeff went to go get uh, (laughs) King's Quest 3 and missed it. To air is human. Uh, (laughs) All right. uh, Let's uh, take a second and thank our sponsor, which is Mailgun. Mailgun is how modern companies work with email. The platform's ease of use, world-class support, and powerful APIs empower smart development teams to reach real customers at scale with a data-driven approach so their organization can grow faster. Send and track your transactional and marketing messages effortlessly. Prevent fake signups and remove invalid email addresses from your list quickly. Partner with email experts to improve your email deliverability and drive higher conversion rates. Today, Mailgun helps hundreds of thousands of companies and leading brands around the world provide connected experiences and drive smart results. Mailgun empowers companies around the world to solve complex communication problems through its powerful email API and intuitive email marketing solutions. Mailgun controls the entire email lifecycle from pre-deployment through delivery of over 240 billion emails a year for companies like DHL, Wikipedia, Toast, Lyft, and Microsoft. Their send time optimization capability automatically finds the ideal send time for each and every individual on your list at the time they are most likely to engage. And it's never been easier to build connective experiences. Start sending with Mailgun today. Visit mailgun.com to learn more. That's M-A-I-L-G-U-N dot com to learn more. Mailgun. All right. It's time now to talk about the games that we have been playing in a segment we call 
the playlist. All right, Joseph, you have uh, a number of things on your playlist, but as is the case every week in 2022, evidently, there is another uh, highly touted uh, game of the year contender release that I know both you and Christian have played. Uh, Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga has been getting stellar reviews all over the place. What is your take? On that game. Uh, I need to preface this. I am a huge Star Wars fan. Huge. Been okay. that been that way since negative one. I love, <laughs> love, love Star Wars. Yeah. Um, but I've never been like as much as I love Lego, but I've never like been into their games. And from the get, since this game's been teased or revealed since 2019, I believe. Um, I've been into it, man. I I I loved the look, the redesign, just the from the ground up, um, just rebuild of that engine to make this thing look just gorgeous. Um, so picking up this game day one, I was just expecting it to be a nice little family game. And what is here is something way more than just something for kids. This is something for everyone. If you're a big Star Wars fan like me, this you can tell this game is made by people that love this universe. <laughs> um, and it's just a labor of love. There's so many hidden jokes and like deep cuts as Star Wars fans, like going back to um like Ray's like original name in the script to like characters that are um in God, not canon anymore, but the 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 old folklore, I guess, of of Star Wars. Um, to even like, there's a Spaceballs reference. Wow, and it is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> there's just there's just so much here that I feel like if you are a fan of of this of this universe, like I am, it makes me as someone who doesn't have a kid go, man, I wish I had a little a little a little sun right here so I could show them what this is like th- this, this is just so perfectly translated for, mm. for kids as well as hardcore fans. It, it is a, uh, the whole uh, Skywalker saga and in a, you know, kind of condensed, you know, spark notes type of way where it hits the major beats that they feel like each uh, story hits, but in a way that is something where I feel like, Though it misses obvious scenes, pays so much respect to those moments that it's just, again, you have to tip your nod to at the same exact time. There's just like such cute humor yeah. to this game. Like you're walking around the Death Star, spoiler alert, and they have like like water coolers and little plants and like coffee <laughs> stations for, for like the stormtroopers to kind of chill out. Like I thought that was... <laughs> so cute and adorable and just like even some of the cutscenes, they really don't ever want to sh- which is strange for this game they never want to show violence in the cinematic so they'll do something like silly or goofy um so for example um in empire the scene where you know han shoots or tries to shoot darth vader 
instead he whips out like a banana. He's like, how did this get here? And he just starts <laughs> trying to throw food at Darth Vader. It was cute. It was adorable. And it was hilarious. Um, so I, on a, on a Star Wars fan level, respect the hell out of what they're, they're, they're delivering here. And on a gameplay level as well, it's incredibly sound. Like, well, that's my biggest question. Is, yeah. Because I think everybody, or not everybody, I certainly have uh, played a ton of Lego adventure games, ton yeah. of Lego Star Wars games. Yeah. And I think I fall into the category that you had described, where it's, it's a lovely family game experience. It's kind of slight and it's a fun, it's a fun trip through the IP, but. Yeah from a gameplay perspective it's it's walking up to a pile of things holding a button down having that thing build itself are there innovations from a gameplay perspective or is it kind of still doing the same thing that other lego star wars games and other lego adventure games have done i feel like if you've played prior lego games there's still those elements so like um you know, you break stuff and then you could build stuff and put it together. You could put like, for example, there was like a, a part where I needed to catch a droid and I could build a magnet that hooks them on, or I could build a turret that shoots them down. Um, you still have those elements, but the change in the camera's perspective and level design add again, that more modern feel that we see from like a third person action adventure game that lends itself really well here to make it feel more fresh um especially to me the the combat feels a heck of a lot better because the camera for what i remember lego games being is just a little bit too far out where this is much more over the shoulder close to the character themselves which lends itself nice to when you're having those big epic moments and when you're you know you know shooting a a dude with a blaster and you get up in their face to start you know punching them and rope doping them, uh, it actually cuts almost seamlessly. So it doesn't give you this jarring like camera cut. So it, it does a lot to make it different from Lego games of the past. Christian, I know you've also been playing Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga. Do you concur with what Joe has been saying? Well, Jeff, my thoughts on Lego, the Skywalker saga could best be expressed in the form of a haiku. (laughs) It is often fun, but there are enough issues that keep it from goatee. Hmm. All right. Well, okay. Different, different. (laughs) What are the issues? Uh, Um, So as as Joe mentioned, the change to the traditional third person action camera is refreshing because the Lego games have been doing that kind of semi isometric zoomed out thing for so long now that I almost feel like in reverse, if they had been doing the closer third person perspective and then they did the zoom out, I'd be like, Oh, refreshing (laughs) something. new. Um, It feels great to have something new and different. And it does make the combat um, feel more traditional in a lot of ways. There's videos of people where it's like, oh, as Qui-Gon, this is just Devil May Cry. And it's like with your force push and your pull and the dive kick and the up, you can volley people and, and air juggle people for a really long time. Where I think the game kind of falters, um, there are reports of horrendous crunch and, and that kind of stuff um, alongside the studio in this game. And they have said they're kind of leaving the engine, as we talked about before, I think in part because of those. And I feel like 
and I don't know if this is true, but I feel like you can see some of that on screen where some of the films, the stories of the playable moments around those films feel far superior than others. Um, mm. Just like I the think, real Star Wars movies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like you're just describing Star Wars. <laughs> but not not just the plot. Yes, haha. But not just in the plot of the thing that you're playing isn't as fun. Yeah. And unfortunately, it is. I think episode one is, it, it feels way worse than the others. Like it feels rushed. Uh, it mm-hmm. doesn't connect as well. Where you're constantly stepping into a thing to act, continue story, press A. Then you do like, two minutes of something. And then you say, continue story, press a, instead of just giving you this kind of seamless experience where you can kind of play in the hub world and continue the story. There's like, there's loads and uh, constant button prompts and Mm -hmm. things that kind of stifle the natural progression of what you, what you would be playing. Um, I have a question for you before you you go any further. Where did you start? Cause I started with the original trilogy. That's where I'm at. Uh, and I, to me, I'm like, this feels great. This this feels nice. The I have almost finished the story. I've also put a lot of time into hub worlds after I've you know spent time doing the main campaigns. Um, so I've played uh, prequels, uh, and I actually did original trilogy last because oh, that's wow. the Lego game I know the best. So I'm like, I want to play. Go ahead. Jeff. I was going to ask, does the game? suggest a path forward does it say start with episode one does it say start with episode four or does it just throw it into a menu and let you decide again interesting i thought from when i saw this at e3 a decade ago not really uh several (laughs) years ago that you would have more freedom when the game starts you are able to pick any first of a trilogy so you can do episode one episode four or episode seven you can't start with empire which feels Mm -hmm. weird to me I, i i feel like at this point I should be able to start wherever I want and do whatever I want. Give me that machete um, cut, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> play them, play them. However, because while I agree with everything Joe said about the humor and the freedom that they're given with this crown jewel of an IP, just constantly blows me away. There's a Taken joke in it, like a perfectly placed Taken joke from Qui Gon, and it's like beautiful like all of the stuff is it's memes it's meta it's all of the things and you know in jokes on in jokes and then jokes about other franchises that are referential of star wars really really well done um but then there are the the gameplay moments that kind of hold it back and prevent it from being as open as i think i thought it would be mm-hmm. so Similar, I think, to the other Lego games, when you go into these big hub spaces, there's a lot to see and do there. But for my money, most of it's not worth doing until you've kind of finished the story, because then you'll have enough stuff unlocked that you don't encounter roadblocks in that hub space. And that's kind of how a lot of these Lego games have been. You do you the story. Wanna, you don't want to encounter roadblocks in your Lego games. <laughs> <laughs> Different franchise. Different franchise. Uh, <laughs> because you do the story and then you have all the unlocks and you, the bulk of the game often can be hundred percenting all the collectibles as you kind of go through. Now you can play with green lantern on the game that on the level that was Superman before on, you know, DC superheroes or whatever. And so green lantern can cut up into a new area. And so these big open hub worlds are also that. So you'll get into it with the character and you'll be exploring through story mode but you won't have the character to do the thing. And so mm-hmm. I find that it's just easier to go back when you have enough unlocks. And then so progressing through those story beats, and I would say it goes, the original trilogy is the best, most cohesive, 
long playable moments. And then after that is the new trilogy and then the prequels are feel substantially worse. And it feels like they ran out of time. Like I don't, it, it, it is jarringly different to go play Joe. I mean, I would recommend you just go fire up uh, episode one because it just feels so disjointed the way that mm. a new hope doesn't. Um, and that's what kind of describing the out. movies. It's so funny. <laughs> maybe exactly. I'm like, yeah. Maybe they're trying to give you the experience, the real experience. <laughs> maybe, but all that said, there are moments of absolute pure joy where, you know, people are like, Oh, this is the best star Wars video game ever. I wouldn't go that far, no. but ship combat is incredible in, um, Force Awakens when you escape into the millennium with the Millennium Falcon and you're having a battle over a downed Star Destroyer and TIE fighters are attacking you. It's incredible. Like it, yeah. they they nail that feel so very well. And the it combat, feels like Rogue Squadron light. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And and just super fun and engaging. And also, Jeff, I will tell you this that you have Oh, does it do super ultra wide? I forget. Dang it. I was gonna say you have the best monitor for it because it has local split screen. But it splits it vertically, but on an ultra wide, you have it yeah. fills out that real estate, so you're not missing anything. Amazing. Um, it's a uh, it's a very good game, but I don't think it will personally it will be on my end of the year list because of those kind of roadblocks along the way. Um, but I've been playing a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. I, that's the first negative uh, uh, critique I've heard of of, of the game. Um, it's, it's very interesting. It's 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 a shame it's so uneven. But again, so are the movies. So who knows? Um, but they're still great. They're, I mean, they're still Star Wars movies. <laughs> I think some of them are legitimately not great movies. I mean, yeah, like episode two is unwatchable. Okay, I got it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but I'm playing on PC. It's gorgeous. Tons of frame, all the frames. Nice. It looks and runs great. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it it's a unique beast. I think I'm curious to hear other people's you know more opinions. And Joe, I'm curious. I, I want to talk to you again after you play the prequel okay. trilogy. But Christian, it's basically I, I guess you know a different version of the question I asked Joe is it is it's basically the same kind of game. Like you're collecting stuff. You're holding the same, button down to build things. You, there's no, there's no of, innovation there, really. The innovation is is in how it's blown out, and mm. the hub worlds and the open areas are much bigger, and the okay. amount of characters in it are are much bigger. So you're able to do a lot more eventually. Like the end game of Lego Star Wars: The Skywalker Saga is a hundred times what the end game would be in the others. Because the other games, you're pretty much just replaying the same levels. And here there's so much to do like on just Tatooine and, and you're walking around and side quests and stuff like that, that, that make it feel new and fresh. But the story missions themselves, aside from the camera shift is similar Lego uh, experience, but with much better combat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, all right. That's Lego star Wars, the Skywalker saga, which both uh, Joseph and Christian have been playing Joe. I also understand you have finished Elden Ring, which, you know, I would think would be impressive, except somebody did it this week in 13 minutes. So, <laughs> yeah, I feel like yeah. it took you substantially longer than that. Yeah, it's it, yeah, I, I got I, yeah, I got a little I got a little angry, I got a little heated when I saw that. Like really 13 minutes. I was 70 hours. All right. That's pretty good, though. I think that 70 hours is nothing to be embarrassed I, about. 
I felt great until I saw 13 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I listen, I, I know probably anybody in their car right now, they're just about to you know pull over going enough of the Elden Ring. I, I, I get it. Um, that being said, I do want to, I do want to stress something here. I love this game. Mm-hmm. This game is fantastic for all the ways that people have mentioned. But I feel like the one thing that I keep on wanting to hear is the level design. I'm a huge from software fan, Stan. Uh, on my podcast, it's like a weekly thing. I have to reference Bloodborne somewhere or else the trophy room's incomplete. That being said, Elden Ring is a near-perfect experience. There are some problems with it. Like, I'd like a journal. I, 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 would, I wouldn't mind a waypoint. But I feel like in Elden Ring, what it gets so right is its level design. And I'm not just talking about the open world and the discoverability of, you know, finding a hidden cave or a hidden boss or, or whatnot. I'm talking about when the game gets a bit more linear, when you're on its main path, you know, they've always had this honeycomb-esque level design uh, from Software Has, where it's always interconnected. And I'm just constantly amazed how this huge open world is still so seamlessly interconnected that I am, you know, 60 hours in, I'm on a balcony. I turn to the right and go, ah, there's a roof. And I think I could jump that and and, and, and stick the landing. I could, I, I think I could cheat my way to the second floor if I'm smart enough. And I do. Or like there's a pillar that's just angled. I think right enough where I'm able to gallop off it with my, with my good horse boy torrent and stick the landing and find something that was almost purposely put there hmm. where it wasn't so much a carrot on a stick, but a carrot in the distance or in the corner of my eye that got me distracted on off the, the, the main quest. I think that's what this game does perfectly where breath of the wild was, if you can see it, you can get to it. Elden Ring is, if you can see it, you can discover a new way to get there. Mm. And I think that is just, it is from software level design wise at its best. And I feel as though there are people taking notes of how this game is done. Not because there's no waypoints, but because oh, that's, how that's something. That's why you're taking notes. Because there's no quest log. You yeah, literally have, I have to a... take, you have to take the notes. Like they I have it. a five subject binder that I have just completely, <laughs> and it's just Limgrave. But like, you know, it, it is, it is something that I, th- I feel like is going to inspire a lot more open world games of how they choose to do discoverability in their games. It's just, it's, it's fantastic. Um, and even just some of the hidden things are just smart, but I, I, I have to also, cause nobody's talked about this. Miyazaki has a thing with crustaceans that we need to discuss because it's unnerving. <laughs> I thought How he many... talked about it and he's like, yeah, guess what? I mean, I know there are memes about him talking about it, but he's like, yeah, of course I did it. Like, what did you expect? <laughs> I put a giant lobster in here and you're going to love it. And, yeah. it's, and that's the thing as well. It's just like the, the, Enemy variety in this game is just, I haven't seen anything littered with so many different things. Mm. You know, there's never an enemy that I encounter going, oh, okay, yeah, this is the same guy from eight, you know, eight hours ago. It's like, no, this is a 
this is a different beast. Now, sometimes it does feel like, you know, from software greatest hits where I'm like, I see, I see where the Renella is three bosses that I've, I've fought merged together. I, I see where they're going here, but for the most part, level design in this game is just chef's kiss. It's fantastic. Now, am I going for the plat? You might ask viewer listener as as the host of a trophy room podcast yes of you course would i would ask you would hope and i am <laughs> <laughs> we'll see we'll see if i can get there but um you oh, know I've, I've, yeah I've, I've got if i could do sekiro i can do this and i feel like i feel like i got it but elder ring maybe you check it out small little indie hopefully it doesn't fly yeah. under the radar i uh i w- was traveling it was in atlanta this this weekend for uh um, fan control football, which I'm starting up uh, calling games for, and um, was in a an Uber uh, uh, and struck up a conversation. And the person said that they played video games. What video games do you play? Oh, you know, mostly shooters and uh, an Elden Ring. <laughs> it's like everybody, everybody's playing Elden Ring, except That's me, right. I guess. I, I'll get I'll get to it eventually. Hey, Steam Deck, it runs on the deck it does it does it does and you know i bought it on playstation because i read that it uh i read that it doesn't support uh widescreen let alone ultra wide super ultra wide um and uh, on pc and then i should have known that um the uh, flawless uh ultra wide guys uh got it working on there so you can play it in super ultra wide now so i'm like ah curse me and my purchase anyway and i am still waiting for that 60 fps boost for bloodborne yeah. you know it never yeah. gonna happen never, never gonna happen never it's um, been 2208 year, or eight days since the original bloodborne i just i just <laughs> need to yeah. yeah uh you're also enjoying that no build mode in Fortnite. the the new mode that yes. uh christian yeah. didn't even predict oh oh <laughs> I bring you a haiku and you bring me nothing but daggers. It was a nice haiku. No, I appreciate that. No, Christian, yeah. uh, very happy about that. I, it sounds like you are too, Joseph. Yeah. So first off, I'm not like against the building in Fortnite. Like when people are like, oh, I'm fighting this guy and all of a sudden he turns into the Taj Mahal. I'm like, it's not. Listen, <laughs> that happens seldomly. Not as much as we think it does. But to me, I could hold my own in a building fight. There is something, though, that adds a different level of engagement that you have to think about in Fortnite when you take away something like building that is so iconic to this battle royale um, that the no building mode makes it – it makes it – you're really thinking about the the verticality of things and mm-hmm. your positioning way more than – you normally would, because if you got attacked, you could just turn yourself into a little box, right? You had like this little layer of protection where now if you're running out into the middle of the open, you are running out there in the middle of the open and you have to maybe time some slides, right? Do a little jump, a flip even um, to maybe dodge some bullets. But the no build mode adds an, a, a layer of thinking that you have to kind of divorce yourself from um, in, in the in the standard, you know, mode that you have to kind of gain here. It's, it is, it is something else. And there's so much fun that I've seen, like, you know, good friend of the show, uh, Luke Lore of the Xbox expansion pass, friend of me, 
He's not that good. I carry him in a lot of things. He's just <laughs> awful. He's actually not a friend of the show. Dreadful human being. But I was carrying him in a duos game. That happened fast. And, <laughs> but I was carrying him in a duos game. And there's like this weird chaos that happens in no build mode when you get to like the final like 10 like teams mm. where just you see chaos. Like we're literally seeing tanks and battle buses because they added those in the game for some reason. Just just flying up in the air, like forest just on fire. It was like just true chaos. Um and we're just we're just in the middle of it. And it adds that hectic, you have to think on the fly type of mentality when playing it uh in no build mode that is just it's not like anything I've really I've really played in a minute. Like it kind mm. of feels like it has um you know, because it now give you a shield, a little mini shield. It kind of gives it an apex uh mm. if if people are aware of that game that exists, uh type of feel to it yeah. as well. Where you're really you're you're going off of your slides, your mobility more than anything. So I'm digging it way more than I thought I would. And I don't see myself returning to the build mode, but it's a ton of fun. It's a ton of fun. So if again, another little indie game. Yeah. I hope, I hope it does well, man. I really small team. I got a good company. feeling about this Fortnite. you know? Yeah. Call it Epic. Who knows? Uh, Christian, I know you had been playing a lot of Lego star Wars Skywalker saga, as you mentioned, but anything else on your playlist? Well, mentioning a little indie game and a shout out to our uh, Discord or also a curse you to our Discord. But uh, folks were talking in there about Dead Cells on mobile and they uh, released a a big patch on mobile to bring it up to date with the current PC version. And it's also, as you're listening to this, likely still on sale. I think it's on sale through the 14th or it's half price. So it's Dead Cells for four dollars five dollars whatever it is um and it works on with a controller which is uh, very important to me if i'm gonna be playing it on mobile i know that they brought in a lot of uh accessibility options for mobile with like auto attack and, and stuff like that but being able to click my backbone on and be able to play dead cells which again i have on switch so it's already yeah. portable i was gonna ask about- that yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's something about having it on my phone, which is a thing I always have with me. Mm. Do you whenever have your I'm backbone doing. with you? Well, I have my backbone in my car, so okay. I do almost have, like it's going to pick up my you kids. Your switch in your car, you know. See, I, I feel like I couldn't though, because I feel like I'd be afraid of that getting too hot. Yeah, like the battery just blowing up. Yeah. yeah, but my backbone. It's like I don't leave my phone. You know, my backbone gotcha. is just. The spine I don't have because I'll say whatever you want me to say. There's no, a method um, to your madness, Christian. I like it. And also, as I mentioned uh, often on this show, my in bed gaming, like I have, I don't have to, I have to bring a little forethought to bring my backbone in, but like my phone's going to be there. My switch could be anywhere. My switch could be anywhere. It and that's gets up and moves on its own. You don't, it, you never know. It does. It goes into the dock. I've also shouldn't mention that I've been playing a lot of Lego Star Wars also in bed through uh steam link which is mm. fantastic if you're not leaving the house it, it again works the backbone christian games like he reads fortune cookies he look adds in bed at the end jeff listeners my wife and i decided we were gonna have two kids and that's it <laughs> and i decided time to play video games <laughs> well you got you proved it happened twice at least 
<laughs> I'll save that for paid DLC. <laughs> but it's phenomenal. Dead Cells it is on a- mobile, uh, thumbs up. Thumbs still up. Still a great game. Still a great yeah, game. Thumbs up. Thumbs um, up. I have uh, a number of games on my playlist. <laughs> and many of them basically because uh, Nick Richardson was on our show last week. And <laughs> I just basically uh, played all the games he told me to play. Uh, but I, one I want to start with uh, that wasn't one he recommended is uh, Demio, which has just been released on PC. Now, you've probably heard, if you listen to the show regularly, you probably heard me talk about Demio as a VR game, which it is and is excellent. And this it has just been released on PC, on Steam, non-VR version. And it works great. It's still great. It's still great. Uh, Demio is a... Dungeon crawler, a it's basically D and D stripped down to just the combat, um, and it works great. I mean, it very much is trying to replicate that experience of standing around a table with minis, moving them across a cool map, fighting a bunch of bad guys. The combat system is not Dungeons and Dragons. It, it involves rolling dice, but it has its own combat system. It's card based. You unlock more spells or attacks or special abilities as you level up as you uh, progress through the game you can find chests that have things in them and uh, you're basically trying to get to the uh, you find the bad guy kill them to get the key to leave the level leave the level and you do that uh, over three levels per per campaign per scenario uh so it's very streamlined it's very stripped down it's very bare bones but it's also very fun and it, I would especially recommend it as a multiplayer game. If you have friends that enjoy this kind of thing, uh, it is a wonderful, wonderful multiplayer experience. And I think it translates really, really well to non-VR. I still happen to prefer the VR version of Demio because you it's feel it. like you're in this place. You know, it's set in a uh, in a basement, basically, with cool basement, you know, uh, decoration. And then you can look at the the, the table and rotate it around and physically pick up your piece and move it forward and physically pick up the dice and throw them. All of that is retained through mouse clicks, Mm. but it's better to use your cool, you know, motion control uh, controller on Oculus or, you know, on your quest or on your, you know, whatever you've got. Just more fun that way. What's that? Is it cross play? VR and non VR? That is a great question. I don't know the answer to that. Uh, I should I should know the answer to that, but I do not. Um, I would be a great I, thing to know. I always wonder. Well, one, I'm glad that this game's going to to more people, just in the yeah. sense of like headset ownership is still not what PC ownership is, right? In terms of numbers. Um, but I often wonder when you see games go one way or the other. I would love like the my favorite example of it. I don't want to say the best. Quick, my favorite example quick answer, of it was yes, cross play. All you, nice. need is the, all you need is the room code and you can play crossplay. Go, sorry, go ahead. That's great. My favorite example was uh, Star Trek Bridge Crew. Like, yes. I love that. I think that played best in VR, but I loved it when it opened up to other people because then I played with my brothers who didn't have headsets and you could just invite anybody and yeah. it was still fun on a screen. And then I could still be in VR and have the best experience. Yeah. That's I've had great. Some I love epic that. demo games, uh, mostly in VR. But uh, I think I mentioned some of them on this show. I told the story of of uh, Danish and I playing uh, and getting into this crazy situation where 
we thought we I kept thinking uh, we were going to die and then we just pulled it out. So it's a, it's a ton of fun, a very simple sort of um, stripped down, as I said. But if you've got a, a, a crew that likes the dungeon crawl type games, I, I recommend this one. Demio uh, is it's, available now. It's something it's a game that I constantly keep hearing about and I want it to hit PSVR eventually, hopefully uh, PSVR too. Yeah. I, it's one of those things where I'm like, I'm, Every day I stray further away from shoes grace because I'm thinking about getting that quest. I'm thinking about getting that like it, it's grace. <laughs> I'm think I'm thinking about Beat Saber on the go. Like I'm thinking yeah. about being untethered and this is this is it. I like this is this is cool because when we think of VR, it's like, oh, I'm gonna I want to be transported into like a gladi- gladiator arena and it's like, no, I'm just playing dice, I'm playing cards. Yeah, but it's <laughs> in but VR. It what what why I think feel like it's special in VR is that you feel like you are hanging out with people uh, even yeah. more than just being on a headset, looking at a 2d screen. You're, you're kind of in a physical place with people. It's a virtual place, but it still feels like you can see them move around. Uh, you know, you can see, you, you feel like you're in a volume with them rather than staring at a screen and listening to their voice in your ear. And uh, it's a perfect game to feel like you, you know, it, you want to play with people that you don't live near or when I was playing Demio, I think it was the, you know, the height of COVID. So it was, it was just a wonderful way to hang out and, and play that in VR. Anyway, yeah. it's available on PC and I, I think it still holds up. I think it's a great, uh, great version of that. That's awesome. Um, okay. The other, you know, it's, it's such a wild time in video games right now. I, I don't remember another time like this Christian Maybe you can correct me, but I don't remember another time like this where every game that comes, I keep getting pulled away from some of the best experiences ever to have more of the best experiences ever. It's, it's such an abundance of riches. I don't even know how to process it because it feels like every week I'm like, well, I still got to finish that game. And now there's this other incredible thing that I want to, I mean, I kind of want to play like a star Wars Skywalker saga. (laughs) Great co-op. Yeah. Jack would love it. I want to uh, play Kirby, which you talked about for a couple of weeks. You know, like these games I haven't even touched. I haven't even purchased, but okay. Here comes a couple of others that Nick Richardson recommended <laughs> last week. And now and I immediately did purchase them. Uh, well, one of them weird West is available on uh, Xbox game pass right now. Um, but I got it on, I got it on steam cause it, uh, I wanted to play it on my steam deck and it is so my kind of game, man. It is so my kind of game. Nick mentioned this. I read a, uh, an interview with the devs of Weird West who said, we were inspired by games like Ultima 7 and Ultima Underworld. <laughs> and I'm like, well, it just named like two of my favorite games of all time. And it, you can totally feel that DNA in Weird West. Totally. Awesome. Uh, I love isometric role-playing games because of my love for Ultima. The isometric you know like dungeon siege that old game and just the, the you know baldur's gate those kinds of games i love controlling uh role-playing games in that perspective it just feels right to me and this is very much that old school pc mentality of we're going to give you a world and there's going to be stuff to do and there's about 400 different ways to do the stuff you have such, such, ver- I mean, uh, 
Divinity Original Sin is another great example of my game of the year that year it came out. Um, you have such so many options as to how to handle any kind of situation and you can completely break things and, and go crazy. I mean, the game literally has a tool tip that comes up very early on that says, Hey, we have a quick save option. So try stuff, save the game and try stuff. Um, and I, I just love that design philosophy where they want you to try to break their world. They want you to think outside the box and do wacky, weird stuff. And the mechanics are there in the game to facilitate that. Um, there are all kinds of crazy approaches to problems. You, you know, uh, it, it really mechanically feels so much my jam, this game. I love it. Thematically less so right it is very dark i mean the it game opens. starts <laughs> yeah have you yeah. Uh, did you check it out just not enough to just literally started it and i was like oh this is where this yeah starts. the game starts <laughs> with the murder of your child <laughs> and not That's like where we start not a ha-ha yeah. like no i mean i don't know if there's a way to do that with a ha-ha <laughs> i think there has to, like a borderlands way or you know what right. i mean it's like no it's like yeah, this no, is it's, sad it's dark um it's dark uh, and the game, you know, is, is very embracing that dark aesthetic. And it's also a Western, which I've never been super drawn to Westerns, but I kind of love how different the world feels. Like it, it, it doesn't feel like every other role-playing game. It's not elves and orcs and, you know, cut and paste Tolkien stuff. It, it really carves out its own identity to which I applaud the game. I, I think that's a, that's cool to, you know, have its own mythos. It's got, it's got this like occult kind of um, supernatural element to it for sure. So it's, you know, you're still being able to do magical kinds of stuff and fight crazy creatures, but there's a kind of a gritty grounded Western feel to it as well. And I really like the combat. I mean, it, it comes from that universe of turn-based, you know, the divinity of original sins and Baldur's gates of the world. But it isn't. It isn't turn-based. It it is very much real time, and things can get really out of hand. And the aiming system, I, I find it to be really thematic in the sense that it's it's almost kind of hard to line up your shot when the chaos starts ha happening. Which I feel like it would be if you were pulling a six shooter out and monsters were running around. Um, and so you, it incentivizes you to kind of strategize and do, use stealth and do do things and use the environment and break stuff and um, and I've I've definitely had that experience that I genuinely love from my youth, which is I save the game every four seconds and and keep trying you know take two steps forward save the game take two steps forward save the game try something wacky and go oh it's not exactly how I wanted it to go reload load my save. Which is not for everybody. That's not an experience for everybody, but it's an experience for me. I, I truly do enjoy that. And there is so many cool things to discover and weird story tangents to go on and how the game is is constructed and the ways that you can do things that you don't feel like you should be able to do. Uh, and, and it really feels like this living, breathing world that is happening regardless of whether you're there or not. And then you can sort of mess with stuff, um, find things way earlier than you're supposed to, that kind of stuff. Um, so I recommend Weird West. It's another one where I'm like, if no other game was out right now, I'd put 
60 hours into this because it's great, but it's, but my attention is being pulled 400 different ways. I still haven't finished Forbidden West and I want to try Elden Ring. And, and there's like a thousand games that it's just a wild time. I feel like Weird West is definitely um, for the gamer that wants that exploration, that yeah. wants that type of experimentation where it's like anything that you can do will affect this world will affect the outcome of what's around you. And to me, I'm not the the type of gamer for that, but I know so many of my friends who are enjoying their time because they're just, they're, they're each having their own story that they're telling and they're all playing the same game. I'm always just intrigued by that. It's so interesting. I mean, there's so many things that you can do that you feel like this is such a weird thing that they're allowing me to do. Mm-hmm. I'm going to totally take advantage of being able to do this. And it's, yeah, it's a special game. It, I, I hope that there's a lot more from this developer uh, with this engine, with this, with this uh, template. Um, so Weird West is great and, and it's on Game Pass. So check it out. It's, it, it plays great on Xbox as well. Um, it's funny, you know, all these games are pulling me in, in different directions. The game I keep playing more and more and more of is, Vampire Survivors. I can't stop playing Vampire Survivors. I am addicted to Vampire Survivors. It's the perfect Steam Deck game. All I want to do is play that game. All I want to do is try another run. I'm not going to talk about Vampire Survivors again, but I love Vampire Survivors. I I pulled up the little image uh, for the stream. You can talk about it. Like, there's an image there. You know, I'm ready. Go oh, ahead. It's so good. It's so good, Christian. <laughs> it's so good. And you open I up new stages. On Huh? Or I need my I need it on mobile, or I need my Steam Deck. Like it's that's my like that's what's keeping yeah. me from it. Because I, I mean, it needs to come out on Switch. It's a yeah, it'd be great on Switch. Yeah, uh, you can play it with one hand. It's you're literally just moving. There's no shoot. It, it shoots for for you. It's Jeff, where so do I need good. to play this game? Where do huh? I need to play this game? Where do I need to play this game? Where? Yeah, on, on your Steam Deck. When you get your Steam Deck. In bed. Oh, friend. in bed. Yes. In bed. <laughs> One-handed. No, we're not going there, Christian. We're not going no, there. I didn't, you added that part. I just said. I thought that's where you were headed. Uh, anyway. No. I'm not, I'm not here to talk about Vampire Survivors. I want to talk about Patrick's Parabox, which is the other game that I blind bought after Nick talked about it. And I'm not going to be able to improve upon Nick's description of this game, which he used the, the term box quite frequently. It is as brain-melting as he described. If you didn't hear last week's episode, Patrick's Parabox is a game in which you play as a little square and you have to get yourself into a spot on the map and often get another square onto another spot in order to complete the level. So you are inside a square level. You are a square, and other say squares. Just say, stop saying square. I want to say. Saying I don't want to say box because Nick. <laughs> Nick's. He, that's he owns box. I mean, it's a pair of box. So yeah, you're a box. You're in a box. You're moving boxes. You need to get them to a specific place. The box. The interior of the box that you're in is often strangely shaped, and you can only push boxes. You cannot pull a box. So if you push a box to the edge. You're stuck. You can't pull it away from the edge anymore. So you got to figure out how to do it. The game mercifully has a rewind and a start over that is instantaneous, which is so important for games like this. Literally, you push the right bumper 
instantaneously you've re- reset the level. Just ah, chef's kiss. But where the game starts to get so mind-meltingly insane is that there are boxes that you can push, but when you push them to the edge of a wall and they are no longer able to be pushed farther, you push yourself inside them. And they become a new inception layer of box themselves. So you, you go inside that box and now you have to solve that part and push something in a box inside that box or push it out of that box to get back out to the macro level. And then layers and layers and layers happen of boxes inside boxes inside boxes. And then you get to stuff where it's recursive so you're pushing a box into a box, but that is also happening outside the box that you are in. So it's like you are moving yourself both in the box and out of the box <laughs> at the same time. I'm just thinking of, first off, that's just an, insane. Like yes. I'm thinking of the elevator pitch and at the same exact time, like the exhibit mean of like, Hey dog, I heard you like boxes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is, exactly. Yeah. Like, how did they pitch this? I I don't think you know? it was a pitch. I think it was one person's zany idea that just kept going deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole. But there's <laughs> no way to talk about this game without sounding like an insane person. <laughs> it's true because I'm just I've literally only described like the first ten levels. <laughs> like it gets that bonkers that quickly, and there are. I dare say hundreds of levels. I don't know. I haven't gotten, but it appears that way. <laughs> and it's I like so... thinking, Go ahead. I like thinking that this game, you know, ended up being a not pitch, you know, kind of, I was going to make my game myself because at every pitch for other games, poor Patrick was told to think outside the box. Yeah. Yeah. And Patrick was like, no, like that. I'm, I'm thinking I'm inside the box, in, in the box, layers and layers of boxes. It is. <laughs> It is a genius idea, genius, and it's so well executed, so simple, and you get it right away. I mean, again, the audio format, terrible to talk about this game, but seeing it, you get it right away. You're like, oh, yeah, okay, I'm in a box. And then the first time you push yourself into a box and it zooms inside that box, you go, okay, game. And then it keeps introducing new ideas to that concept (laughs) that are just like, um, and th- there's a there's a thing at the beginning where it, it it tells you like tips, you know, tips and tricks, and one of them is like, don't expect yourself to solve these right away. It's not about speed. It's about taking your time. And I love that the game's just like chill out, man. Don't ex- I-, I know that your brain hurts. Don't don't worry about it. And and I kind of feel like Patrick's Parabox is a beautifully zen experience. It is It is kind of the game that I play after I've been playing some other games for a while. And I just want to like, you know, just unwind, which is weird because it is very thinky. You know, it, it requires some serious brain uh, attention, but, but there's a, a level of, it, there's no stress because again, push one button and you're right back to the start. You can rewind step by step of any move that you've done. The the game is very forgiving in that way, and there's no there's no stress about it. It's just 
wild and 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 uh the the layers that you get into you start going this is real i can't i have to just focus on this little bit <laughs> because if i think about all of the layers i will my brain will break it's cool i highly recommend it patrick's parabox uh, you know there's too many games where's my where's my bumper there's too many games Yeah, see? Perfect timing. Perfect timing. Uh, but that's one. Um, all right. Uh, that's enough for me to talk about. But again, mostly I'm playing Vampire Survivors. <laughs> <laughs> Which might be my game of the year. It might be my game of the year. It is so good. Is there is there an end, right? Like, is there a point when you're yeah. like, I've done it. You can only go 30 minutes in any given stage. Uh, and there are unlocks. There are, I don't know, 70, 80 unlocks. So if once you've unlocked everything, I think that's it. But then they keep updating it too, um, adding new stuff. But there's new characters and there's all kinds of challenges. Yeah. And um, But the first, I, I was going and going and going. I'm like, this game is amazing. This game is amazing. And then at a certain point, it unlocked multiple stages. And I was like, there's multiple stages <laughs> Game. <laughs> I was like, I didn't even expect it. I thought there was just one stage. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Oh, I love it. And if if any if there are any, as uh, Joe would say, if there are any uh, vampire survivor stands that want to mm-hmm. chat with me about the game uh, in our Discord or on our subreddit, I have idea. I have I have thoughts. The garlic build. I. I I don't believe there's any way to beat the garlic build. So if somebody can tell me a, a better build than going all garlic all the time, as soon as you can get it and you can start with the, there's one, there's a character who starts with garlic become my go-to character. I love that guy. I don't even can't remember his name. Starts with garlic. <laughs> Gar- all garlic. All the time. I, no, the dog, I heard you like garlic. <laughs> when, when cooking, too, it's like one clove of garlic. It's like, no, this is clearly yeah. a suggestion of a starting point. Five cloves of garlic. The gar- like, yeah, the garlic uh, a lot gives you a ring of damage around yourself, like a, like a, um, like a paladin's uh, aura, you know, around yourself. And you, the more levels of garlic you get, the bigger the aura gets and the more damage it does. And it basically turns the game from avoid all the bad guys to run toward the bad guys and it's so much fun but you get to this point where i've leveled garlic up so much that i can just stand at the center of the roaming hordes of demons and undead and just say yes come to me and meet your doom and i just stand there and they just all die and their experience dots just litter the the graveyard that they've left behind ah it is a joy i've played a little too much of this game all right, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But Joseph Moran, thank you so much for being here. It's always awesome to chat with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, this was a terrific time. I learned so much about boxes, mm. so much about garlic, you know. This, boxes and garlic, the Jeff Canada story. Exactly. That's my, my, uh, my autobiography. 
Thank you. Thank you. We, we, we need to have you on the trophy room sooner rather than later. And that's where you can find me, yes. my lovely voice and my best friend, Kyle, where we talk about the latest and greatest in all things PlayStation each and every Thursday over at the trophy room, a PlayStation podcast. Again, each and every Thursday on Apple podcasts, on Google play, on Spotify, wherever you find your podcast service of choice, you can find the show there or over at PS trophy room on Twitter. And again, thank you guys so much for having me. I had an absolute blast. Of course. We love having you on. Uh, and check that out. Christian, what about you? What do you got going on this week? Well, I'll be drinking delicious liquid-contained beverages in my delicious liquid container. In bed. Um, in bed, as I play video games. <laughs> uh, with my wonderful DLC merch that folks yeah. can find and buy. DLCpod.creator-spring.com link in the show notes as well. Link in the show notes. I uh, put out last week my latest newsletter. I write a long-form video game newsletter, Let's Chat Games, conversational in tone, and you can subscribe to it for free at tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer. Um, they live a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them live on the archive. If you go there and you can read them, the formatting changes for some reason from the email to the archive version. But this last one, I put out my piece about side quests and open world games and kind of that, that, uh, struggle I have with them. Um, and it was well received. People have replied, maybe I'll do that. Maybe we could do a paid DLC about that. I got some emails back with like, folks suggestions for their take on it and like the lunar nerve dissonance approach and maybe potential fixes for how uh these games could be tweaked going forward that were fascinating absolutely fascinating should uh, chat about that about, that'd be great that'd be fun um but that's the newsletter and then um this show there's a video version of this very show i typically stream it live on my twitch uh, Sundays at 7.15 p.m. Pacific time, which is twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. And then if you want the video on demand version of since we launched our Patreon of every episode of this show, you can become a patron over at patreon.com slash DLC pod and see all the fun uh, video stuff that uh, we've been doing with this show because it's uh, people say they like it and I should talk about it more. So I'm proud of how it looks. We are all pretty, pretty babies, and you can see our pretty, pretty baby faces. Christian has been knocking it out of the park yeah. uh, on the on the video side. Uh, it is his baby, and I'm grateful for that. I unfortunately couldn't get my front lights to work tonight, so I'm I'm a little less pretty, pretty baby than I usually am. You're These in other garlic mode. Are carrying You're that. in garlic mode. Yeah, you look great. Garlic. I'm in a box. That's the problem. <laughs> Um, you have the beautiful glow of a super ultra wide, Jeff. You need nothing. <laughs> yeah, I'm like glowing on all sides. You can see me embraced by my monitor. You're backlit by your monitor because it oh, goes so far. I forgot to say, <laughs> Weird West natively supports super ultra wide, which was super beautiful. Beautiful. Um, all right. For yours truly, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. Uh, you can listen to me talk about movies and TV shows on the Filmcast, wherever you get podcasts. You can hear me talk science with a little comedy thrown in, the uh, comedy stylings of the We Have Concerns podcast, wehaveconcerns.com. And uh, wrapped up my run on Dungeon Run, but no reason for you not to check that out still. Um, all of my episodes, 115 of them there, 
You can binge the entire series. We had a, a beginning, middle, and end. One story told over 400 hours. What's not to love? Check that out. The Dungeon Run. Where you get podcasts or on YouTube or on Twitch. And FCF, which I'm going to talk about in a second. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll fill you in on that in just a moment. But we love hearing from you here. DLC feedback at gmail.com and on the Patreon, patreon.com slash DLC pod. All right. Let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is your parting gift. Joe, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Yeah, man, you got to watch Moon Knight, please. You don't have to hurt yourself at the Halo show. You, you can watch Moon Knight and be happy. Because uh, Oscar Isaac is from what my best friend has described, the most beautiful man she's ever seen in her life. And I agree. Um, but also, he's just incredibly talented. This, this, I'm on episode two. This is already shaping up to be one of my favorite Marvel things. So go ahead, check it out. Right it's now. very, very good. Uh, that first episode in particular, there's an action sequence that is very, very good. I genuinely think this is probably one of the best shot things marvel's done yeah yeah and it's such a bold take i love uh i love how weird they're willing to go with it which is super fun um but yes moon nights on the the disney plus very good recommendation uh christian spicer what's your parting gift tokyo vice something else to watch i'll be honest i'm kind of been uh i feel like i'm drowning in marvel Star Wars stuff yeah. that I, I have a hard time gearing up. For. I, I haven't started Moon Knight. I just feel like I'm like, I can't, oh, I know I should, but I'm like, there's too much and I don't know what to. It's good, man. I think you like hear it. I hear it's great. I, I need to watch it, but I, li- I literally watch other things because I'm like, ah, I don't know. There's too much of this other thing that I've been getting too much of. And what I haven't been getting too much of is Michael Mann directed crime things. I, I, Tokyo Vice is a fictionalized version of an already exaggerated version of a true story of a reporter in Tokyo. Excellent book, which I did not, I should say, I've heard it's an excellent book. I have not read it, but I've heard it's an excellent book about a reporter in semi-autobiographical, I think mostly like his uh, accounts there, went to Japan to be a reporter and all those things that happened. And then uh, his reporting on the Yakuza and, and stuff like that. The show is a fictionalized version of that book. They it says out the out front, like we take liberties with this thing, but here's this compelling story. And the first episode is directed um, by Michael Mann. Michael Mann? What did I just blank on? Yes, yeah, Michael Mann. Like yeah, from Michael Miami Mann. Vice and yes, Miami Vice. Lots of uh, heat. Heat. Yes, and it has that feel, yeah. and it. It's just a wonderful cinematic world to spend time in. My mm-hmm. nits with the show right now are the kind of the Westerner showing and telling people how it should be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He gets a I lot gets of rectified. He gets a lot of kudos for like learning a different language. <laughs> it's like you know what? Every other person here probably also speaks English. Just so you're not patting yourself on the back there, pal. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I feel like 
in the real version of the story as they're presenting it, vague spoilers here, the real version of the story of the way they're presenting on the TV show, he's fired and back home his first day in that office. It's like, get that ego out of here. You follow the rules, you dumb jerk. <laughs> uh, as a TV show, I'm hoping they kind of address that Western excellence. Like I'm the new guy and I got the answers. And they kind of do in these first, whatever, three episodes. But I, I just love Michael Mann's worlds, that kind of dirty, lived in crime drama thriller in Tokyo Vice on HBO Max delivers mm. that. And if that's what you're looking for, I think it's time well spent. Yeah. yeah. Expands the Could, Vice universe. I'm going to see more Vices, <laughs> you know? Kevin yeah, Watanabe, the- I love him as an actor. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, like, when I saw him here, I'm like, this is something I need to check out now very interested me my mother and i actually like we bond over like true crime stuff so this mm. this this sounds right up our alley it's got that that uh that boy from the from the west side story but he's got long yes. luscious locks in this one and i guess actually speaking japanese which I, again not to give the character kudos but to give the actor kudos <laughs> I mean, really well done <laughs> it's the same kudos <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, that is Tokyo Vice on HBO Max. Uh, my parting gift, uh, if you'll indulge me, uh, forgive me, uh, is a little self-serving. But I, I wanted to point people out at some. Maybe some folks skip over our personal, uh, our, our personal um, um, plugs that we do. Uh, but this is a personal plug. But I also think it's pretty cool. I, I'm part of the fan-controlled football league. Uh, I've been doing their podcast for almost two years. And uh, now I have started season 2.0 has started fan controlled football season 1.0. Uh, you may be familiar with because a, a team owned by kind of funny, our friends over at kind of funny, the, uh, the video game podcast empire. Uh, Small won, indie unit. Yeah. Yeah. They won the championship last year. Uh, They're no longer part of the league, but they, they won the championship. And uh, so it, it really is this marriage of sports and video games because it basically is Madden in real life. It is fan controlled. That means real elite athletes, but controlled by human beings, you, the fans, who are uh, inputting the play via an app. And it works just like Madden. There's four plays that you can choose from. Whoever, Whichever play gets the most votes from people watching is what the actual athletes run on the field. It's fascinating. It's awesome. And now I'm doing color commentary in the booth for season 2.0. I just had our first, our tech test, which was kind of like a preseason game. I I did two games uh, this last Saturday. It was one of the coolest experiences of my life. I can't believe that I'm like sitting in the booth uh, it, on a football field, watching elite athletes c- c- commentating on the games. It's just like, I just can't believe it's my real life. The opening day, the first game of the of the regular season is next Saturday, 1 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, all the games played in Atlanta, Georgia, in this incredible, incredible place uh, called Pullman Yard, which is where they shot Hunger Games, among other lots of other things. Um but it's been transformed into a high-tech football stadium. And uh, I'm going to be there every week commenting on games. And you can watch live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash FCF for fan-controlled football. It's also going to be on Peacock, 
on NBC LX, on DAZN, and I think on Fubo TV as well. Uh, on so, an Emmy nomination list too. I yeah, heard. we got nominated for an Emmy. <laughs> we got nominated for an Emmy, which is just nuts. Um, will you do me a favor at some point this season? Will you just like rub Terrell Owens' abs? Like oh, not touch. I'm, it needs to be like a full like wash his shirt on his own abs. You know, <laughs> I plan to be uh, an annoyance to him in, in every possible way. <laughs> I've, I, I, you know, I, uh, I want to, I want a picture with him, and I've. He I, is I, a man I, made out of marble. Still, yeah, oh, however yeah. old he he's is, fifty just, years old, and he's going to be playing in the league because he can't. His he has been very explicit in saying, "I never retired." He's a Greek god. He is that, a Greek god. That human Johnny Manziel's is. playing in the league. Terrell Owens and some other big names that haven't been revealed yet. It's wild. Uh, it's 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 cool. And I just I like I had a, a real existential experience. Uh, they're sitting in the booth. We are like on top of the field in these luxury boxes. I mean, I'm I'm doing this thing that I never thought in a million years I'd be doing, and it was so much fun. And so different and cool, and I hope you guys check it out. Uh, I hope I hope you check it out. If you're not into sports, you may like it just because it it really is feels like video games. It feels like video games, and these guys are amazing athletes. Um, so check it out. Uh, you- FCF is is what it's called. Twitch.tv/fcf. If you want to watch on Twitch uh, next Saturday and every Saturday. And you can see Jeff playing Vampire Survivor with one hand while in the booth. <laughs> yeah, as much as I possibly can. Um, all right, we got a listener-suggested parting gift. This comes to us from Josh uh, to dlcfeedback at gmail.com, who writes, uh, Hey, fellas, I would love to offer the parting gift of the documentary Tony Hawk Until the Wheels Fall Off on HBO Max. The documentary follows the life of the greatest skateboarder in the world tony hawk from his rise with the bones brigade to completing the first 900 tony gets very personal with how isolated he felt when he got to the top of his sport his troubles with his father and his emotional struggles most people today know him as the figurehead of the greatest playstation game of all time tony hawk pro skater 2 but his movie chronicles one of the most amazing athletes of all time this documentary is a bit personal to me as my brothers and I had the pleasure of hanging out with Tony when I was between eight and 11 years old. And he was about 18 to 22. He would come to our house and play NES while his first wife, a manicurist and longtime family friend, did my mom's nails. He would skate around the neighborhood with us and surprise our friends when we were playing street ball and just hang out and be one of the neighborhood kids. He was always the kindest, most fun guy. I was too young to understand how big he really was. And as I got older, I realized he's up there with Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky, and Tiger Woods as the most important figures in his sport. To me, he will always be Tony, the guy I schooled in super dodgeball. From all the DLC listeners, thanks for the years of entertainment and fun, Josh. What a cool story, Josh. That is really awesome. I got a chance to check out uh, this documentary also. It's, it's powerful. At the beginning, I'll spoil the be- very, very beginning, which is just watching Tony Hawk now, at the age he is now, try to land, I believe he's trying to do a, a 900 or a 720. 
over and 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 over. I mean, it is brutal watching him just try again and try again and try again and fall and hit hard and hurt himself. Very powerful filmmaking. So yeah, really cool documentary. I, I urge people to check it out. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Ooh, we got some folks to thank, though. We have to thank our musical contributors, Patrick L. Sean Madigan, Zero Star, White Cube, which is T. Ryan Arnold and Jason Sherry for that cool new uh, intro song. And we need to thank our Hype Train patrons. It's time to thank some folks. Yeah. Those patrons who get up on the hype train. Patrons like Andy Joyce, Kyle Starr, Anthony Gulak, Dan Flanagan, Riley Knox, Rob Rickman, Hank Patton, Adam Denby, Cheesy Bob, Scooby Diesel, Victor Valenzuela, Matt Bradley, Chris Zacharias, Jeff Luxack, with one L. Harris. Yeah, it's Mitchell Ness, Jonathan Putney, Jimmy Radcliffe, Mark Gowland, Malcolm King, Awesome U.S. Movies. It's Neil Shaw, the Switchbit, Dan Palmino. It's Lloyd Nans. It's Scott Hughes. It's Ben. It's Jenny. It's Kevin Brazil. It's Nate. It's Stu Goss. It's Zachary White. It's Jonathan Spiceman Forever Schleffer. It's Yick. It's Albert of the Stuff and Junk Podcast. It's Soren Silk. It's Travis. It's the Spiceman Silencer. It's Michael Bardo, Michael Buck, Jackson, and Michael Stadler. It's Slag the Watasha Maheni. Nick Strauss-Klein, it's Peter Olberg, it's Josh Peake, it's Jad, it's PSW, it's Christian Bravery, it's Taylor Rigger, it's Octavian, it's it's Clifton Satterfield, and Jason Novak, it's our hype train patrons, and we're grateful for all of you. also need to thank each and every one of you for listening downloading the show thank you very very much we'll be back next week until then think about what you put out into the world make it a better place